Press Play on Tape, episode 23. So I'm your host tonight, today, wherever you might be, Aaron. And with me, as always, I've got my, my two colleagues, and Tony. Hey, how are you going out there? And, of course, Mr. JCVD himself, Damien. Good afternoon. Afternoon? Where, where are you at the moment? Well, look, I, I can't tell when people are going to listen to this, so I'm just hoping that... Um, I managed to catch people in their afternoon, so it makes perfect sense. Fairly good percentage odds there, so, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't think I can fault that logic. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gentlemen, so how are we all? Oh, very good, very good. Been very busy, uh, especially with all of these uh, local arcade bits and pieces that have been cropping up. Oh yes, the uh, I think we've all been a bit guilty of uh, of that one. Uh, yes, well I've um, been doing a lot of work on my arcade projects, and I have now completely finished my Chase HQ restoration project, which um, I'm terribly glad about. And oh my, what a great game! So glad to own it. And I've now started to work on my T2 arcade project so i'm starting to rip that to bits at the moment oh, I'll, I'll, too. I'll, I'll de- de- yeah definitely come around and help you play test that one but, um, but it's interesting you more, more than welcome to have you around yes i <laughs> uh, look definitely it's interesting you mentioned chase hq that it, it, it almost sounds like if now you've got the an actual working arcade version of it it, it almost sounds like a good excuse for an episode on, on that exact topic and some of the the fun home ports don't you reckon Look, I, I just cue uh, Twilight Zone music because I think that that's exactly a good lead into that. Mm. Yeah, I think it will be most interesting a discussion. Not so subtle plug spoiler. Uh, yeah, awesome. Oh, so gents, so anything, anything else? Much news? Any, any fun pickups from either of yourselves in the last? Well, been a few days since the last episode, seeing as I was crook and bailed on you a couple of weeks back. But yeah, any anything anything new or interesting you picked up? Um, I actually came across some um, art, well, uh, role-playing games um, or text adventures, graphical text adventures for the Spectrum and the Atari ST and the Blue um, Rainbird boxes. Oh, nice! What what Atari ST titles? Um, it was Silicon Dreams, so that's three, um, you know, science fiction space ones. And mm. um, I'm having a mental blank on the other one for the Spectrum. It's um, Jewels of Darkness, so that's got Colossal Adventure, Adventure Quest and Dungeon Adventure, so three really early ones. So the, oh, no. uh, the Atari SD ones are Snowball, Return to Eden and... The Worm in Paradise. Oh, very, in very, very nice condition. Yeah, that sounds fun. Well, on a different topic, I've actually been listening to back episodes of Press Play on Tape. So I thought, well, look, we need to um, hear... I, th- I thought I need to hear what the previous life was like on Press Play on Tape. And uh, I must say that um, Alex and Daz did a very good job. And one episode that stood out was the MSX Masterclass, 
And um, it, it's kind of weird because even though I've been speaking to, to you, Tony, uh, quite a lot as part of these um, uh, episodes, um, I just was hooked listening to it. Um, I could, um, would actually, um, I could listen to that for hours and hours and hours on end, uh, talk about the MSX. Well, so there you go, a, a nice a, compliment. A, 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 a... Oh, thank you. Uh, and I think we should have a, a follow-up at some stage where we can go further back and look at the origins with the Spectre video. This is and um, yeah, this is and its relationship to yep. to other um, or quite a large number of that side of the computer computers in the industry all being descendants of it. So. This is fast sounding like we're planning out the rest of our year. See, I like this. <laughs> Yeah, I must say the MSX story, from what I heard in the um, in the aforementioned masterclass, very interesting, very interesting. I learned so much that I didn't know. Yeah, well, like others with other things, I could talk about that sort of stuff for, for hours, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, it was interesting when I was listening to it because, um, you know, having been to, to Tony's uh, house in person, um, there were some parts where I was sure he was getting up and looking in the shelves, and I could picture that perfectly. It would be hard-pressed not to. There are a couple of things on the shelves, yeah. Teeny, <laughs> tiny, when said shelves um, aren't breaking and throwing stuff at you. Yes, yes, we did have that incident recently, yes, but... Nothing, nothing was heard, so it's all good. If I, if I may interject, another thing I've been up to is I've yeah. done my first radio interview with Edge Radio, uh, local um, uh, Tasmanian radio station, ran out of the, um, uh, the university. Yeah, it was on uh, Arcade Restoration. So it was only like a relatively short, like 15-minute um, discussion which uh, went to air. Uh, so it, it felt like it barely scratched the surface, but you know, upon listening to it again, uh, I was quite happy. Uh, it's been, you know, put together quite well, and um, yeah. So there you go, radio star now. Mate, you're, you're, you're knocking it out. Think of those. You're becoming knocking big, big out. time. Kick but uh, I did actually have a listen. It was a good, it was actually a really, really good chat. Um, the, you know, the the guys the guys there both seem to be really really enthusiastic about um, what you, you know, what you've done with it and the history there. So, mm -hmm. no, it's, uh, I'll have to put a link up on the page. Anyone, even though it's not technically computer related, it's it's still a good chat and is is, is quite a fun, bit of fun to listen to. Oh yeah. One funny thing, um, I was just having a general conversation with uh, Jen, who I did the interview with, and um, I was uh, talking about. Uh, both yourself, Aaron, and Tony, and I, I made mention of Tony's collection, and because uh, Jen, uh, she's seen our collection, and um, you know she um, sort of knows the size of it. And I was uh, describing Tony's collection. And I said, you know, uh, how good it was and how it was even bigger. And Jen said, ah, oh, you know, sizes and everything. And I said, <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> Tony's collection is is not just about the size. There is uh, the girth. It's got the cream of the crop in it. Ah. Oh. There we go. Well, yes. There, well, I've been collecting for a while, and there's some, you know, particular. I particularly like my retro computers. So, 
Mm-hmm. They're a sight to behold, that's for sure. <laughs> just, just, you didn't mention my, my, my Omni Shambles here because, uh, yeah, no, the, the less talked about my my side of the world, the better. Ugh. But um, speaking of, moving on there, so, but speaking of the uh, the MSX side of things, Tony, I, I do believe that you um, had your first physical book, or was it your second first physical book published? Well, it, it comes with a bit of a story. Back in uh, the late 80s, I... Um... Uh, I wrote, well, I, I started out by writing games and sending them into some of the uh, Australian uh, run user group and magazines um, and self published a lot of my software. And at one stage, to continue the software publication, I took over one of the user group magazines here in Australia, um, which was the X Computer Forum, which was originally distributed in. Um, news agents mm-hmm. um, and I started writing that and then we relaunched it as the Micros Gazette and ran it for another uh, probably about 18 months in the waning years of um, I suppose the MSX here in Australia. Um, I wrote a number of technical articles for that in a series called uh, Beyond Basic and I also put together my own guide called the Spectre Video and MSX Complete User Guide which was a complete technical manual on programming and using both the Spectre Video, which is the original um, prototype for the MSX, and the MSX machines themselves. Mm-hmm. I self-published that in 1991. In just It was in white binders um, printed by a local printer, um, and then I had to uh, punch and um, mount all those and sold, you know, a few copies around Australia and stuff like that through the magazine. Um, and in recent times, I found one of the files uh, to do with that book. Unfortunately, I only managed to recover half of the book electronically. So I set about typing in the rest of the book from the... I do have a couple of original copies of it left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe I should publish this electronically because... Um, more people would be able to get access to it. So I also thought, well, might as well also add those articles from the magazine. So I added those as a new chapter or set of chapters in the book. Um, I edited the whole thing. I updated some of the fact tables in uh, the back as far as you know, memory locations and things because obviously back then I only had the knowledge I had, whereas now there's a lot more available. Um, re-edited the whole thing and um, published it as an, a uh, Kindle book on Amazon um, and then uh, and, uh, published that around a bit and then Amazon offered their new print-to-order service on if I turn yeah. it into a physical book, uh, which I have done, um, and that's been out for a month now. So the... Um, uh, Spectre Video and MSX Complete User Guide is available on Amazon. And how that works is they have six places in the world where they do print to order. So you yep. order it from the one closest to you, thus cutting down on the amount of postage. Um, unfortunately, there isn't one physically in Australia. So people in Australia, for the physical book, you probably your best bet is to get it from either Japan or the US. Okay. Cool. So we'll have to put some links up on where to uh, grab your book in the, the show notes, and I think I've shared I've shared it before on the actual pages, but uh, we'll have to yeah re- recirculate that for everybody. 
and uh, I, I hope to do a um, another book in the future based on my Let's Make a Retro Game series as well. Oh, that'd be cool. There you go, Damien. You can learn learn how to make your own stuff. That, that's a language you can talk. Um, look, look. If I could take one of these books and eat it, and then become a coder, great. But I, that ain't happening. <laughs> No, it, uh, I think it does require that that mo that mindset that no, I I don't think like a coder either, and it's just it's it it's lost on me. I did try it back back in the days of um, so in the um, in the late eighties, whilst Tony was reading books and writing games, I um, in between playing Commodore sixty four games, I used to type in programs from like those used born books from the UK. And uh, like the Computes Gazette magazine and 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 whatnot, um, and I used to think in the back of my mind, you know, I'm really hoping that by typing this in, that I'm going to learn how 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 it all works, and then be able to make my own games. Uh, no, didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But no, I'm I'm right there with you, my friend. It's, uh, it was never to be, but that's okay. That's we can't all be we can't all be awesome programmers and stuff. The sad thing is is that um, I love playing games, but I am absolutely crap at playing games as well. Um, so there you go, a double double loss for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn! Don't be so harsh on yourself. Sure, sure. There's a game out there you can tickle the high score tables with. Pang, pang. I can tickle the high scores, uh, the high score tables with Pang. There you go. Ah, there you are. Oh, cool, Tony. Well, yeah, so we'll have to, like I said, share share that around for everyone to have a have a look at again if they're if they're interested and definitely want to wet their wet their feet with um, some pretty good in depth knowledge that I'll admit, yeah, goes a bit over my head probably because it's not my forte, but uh, it's awesome. That's cool. But. Um, so look, I suppose look, the other thing before we move on to our, our special guest this week, a uh, uh, big quick mention again to our Pond Software Bear Essentials competition. So remember, we've got a signed copy to give away of the Bear Essentials, which is, I believe, one of the last copies available. So this is a good opportunity to get, get your hands on a very, very cool little platformer. So how to enter again is either head across to our Facebook page or go have a look up on Twitter. And you'll find a there's a post we'll get you just to like and comment on and that's pretty much it um once and once you've done that however if you have a listen to our last episode with um aaron white on there have a, have a listen through and at the start there's a he talks about what his favorite computer was and if you or his first computer was if you take note of that and then email us at pressplayontapeau at gmail.com with the answer you actually end up picking yourself up a second entry in the competition. So, so far, nobody's done that. So if you haven't already entered, now's your chance to get not one, but two entries in the comp. And so we'll be drawing that at the end of the month. So comp entries close on the 30th of April, uh, which is a Sunday night at 11.59. And we'll be drawing the winner not long after that. So on top of that, we've also got some press play on tape fridge magnets to go with there for runner-up prizes. So... Here's your opportunity, you've got a few weeks left, so jump into it. And yeah, again, with thanks to Vanya Utni from 
Pond Software for, for supplying the copy that we're giving away. Uh, so yeah, jump onto it and yeah, best of luck. So now, Aaron, Damien. Aaron, I do need to ask. I do need to ask: Is this competition open to members of the Press Play on Tape podcast? No, Damien, you cannot win it. Are, are you sure? Oh man! <sighs> you can, however, download a free copy of Bear from their from the Pond website, which is pondsoft.uk. And actually play the the free version of it, which is pretty much the same game, but the the version the the, the version they're selling has a lot more extras. Um, not to mention, it's a cool signed copy that comes in a nice hard case. So, uh, but I, I'm sure you can borrow my copy if you want to play it sometime. Just return. All right. Re- return is important right. there. And you're a hard man, but. Yeah, okay. And don't copy my floppy. <laughs> I'm not doing anything to your floppy, ever. Uh, we're going to earn our E-rating this month. Um, all right, cool. <laughs> <sighs> well, look, um, what we might do then, without further ado, so we've got a special interview lined up this month. Uh, we've got a special guest by the name of Andreas Wallström, and I hope I pronounced that right. Um, he's the webmaster of c64.com and more importantly he's the author of an upcoming book the Commodore 64 for the love of a machine that's currently on Kickstarter so yeah we've got a really really cool chat ahead here so buckle in have a listen and we'll see you on the other side okay so yeah today we've got a special guest on board come and have a chat to him us about his new book the Commodore 64 for the love of a machine He's the web host of c64.com. It's Mr. Andreas Wallström. Welcome, Andreas. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank You're you welcome. Me. You're welcome. So, um, yeah, Andreas, so, yeah, so as obviously you mentioned, yeah, so you're in the... Uh, you come have a bit of a chat about your book and a few other things. So we might as well get, get straight into it. I guess the, the big sure. question here is, what what is For the Love of a Machine about? Um... I jokingly say that the the book for the love of a machine is my love letter to the Commodore 64. So when uh, a, a bunch of my friends has been have been asking me because they know that I have a big passion for the Commodore 64 and they've asked me to to do a book for many years, and uh, it took me a while until I got my my angle of it all. And and my angle is really the love letter to the c64 and cram in as much cool stuff as i possibly can think of um so that's what the book will be about you know it's uh, it's going to be filled to the brim with c64 nostalgia uh, celebrating uh the people mainly the two guys <clears throat> that i have interviews with al charpentier and bob janis that were um, involved in creating the C64, like Bob Janis, he did the SID sound chip, and he also was one or two engineers on the Commodore 64. So I also always say that no Bob Janis, no C64. He's very important to <clears throat> the development of, of this machine. It's certainly the sort of things you, you don't often don't often see or hear a lot about, sort of that side of the 64, but you know, you your Rob Hubbards and the guys like that always get their names thrown around that Ocean and everyone else but yeah, you never really sort of see a lot celebrated on the hardware side so that'd be that'd be very cool to sort of sit down and read through yeah for, for me it was a little bit surprising that a lot of people don't know about Bob Janis and I, uh, I was explained 
to by a friend of mine called Thomas Danko, who is a Sid musician as well, and he told me that, uh, well, a lot of people like the uh, BMW car, but they don't necessarily know the name of the designer, right? Yeah. So I guess that's that's the same thing in this case. But I think that Bob and and also Al Charpentier, who did the uh, big two graphics ship and was the uh, vice president of engineering during the development of the C64, needs uh, to put um, there needs we, we we need to put more focus on these guys. But it because it's mainly thanks to them that we're doing what we're doing and that we're that I'm on your show right now and, and talking about this great machine that changed my life forever. Uh, look, I- could not agree more the um it, it doesn't get the the hardware side of things doesn't often get that spotlight so um so I suppose, look, you mentioned like I said you've you sort of had your friends and that been at you for a little while like how long have you actually been working on the, the book itself for all you know how long did it actually take you to decide to put pen to paper okay so <clears throat> i started last year and uh for a couple of months and then i was on paternal leave and i did like norm, uh, normal work, work like everybody else but from uh, the first of January this year, I've focusing. I've been focusing on the book and getting the Kickstarter together. Uh, getting a, a Kickstarter together properly takes a lot of time. Um, so I wanted to do it properly, and and I've been spending a lot of time on that, and I'm now spending uh, time promoting it. So you can say that I've I've spent six months on, you know, when I from when I started doing the. Um, the, the the basic uh, or the first sketches of what the book w- would look like and what it would include. But like, I have an interview with the, the most famous cracker, uh, Mr. Set of Triad. And that interview took, first it took three years to get him to say yes, okay? And then it took eight years, eight years to finish the interview. And obviously the interview was done uh, before I, I even started thinking about doing a book, it was supposed to be published on c64.com. But uh, it's a huge interview. Um, I asked him a uh, hundred questions. It's big and it's really cool. And I realized that I have something special on my hands. So that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to do a book as well, because uh, it's very special. He speaks out for, for the first time in, it, well, actually he did an interview for a Swedish magazine uh, in 2000, but uh, he was, you know, they didn't print his real name and he was definitely, uh, not showing his face. Um, luckily for me, he lives here in Stockholm, so I've been torturing him for for maybe two or three years, taking pictures of him from, from time to time. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really special in the book because I, you know, I get to present him to the wide audience uh, for the very first time with a picture and, and an in-depth interview. That's fantastic, and I mean, I think anyone that did grow up, and let's, let's be fair, I, I don't think there's many people who listen to the show that had a 64 that didn't copy discs at one point or another in their life um that you know tried that was definitely one of the names that would, would crop up and crop up a lot yeah so, yeah um, yeah and all we used to see was their music and the the intro demos and stuff and that was sort of all we'd ever know of them so that's no that, that's really something special yeah and, and and sultan that's that's his real name he he likes to stay in the shadows a little bit uh, kind of like bob janice and also dave collier that i've been in, interviewing for the book and it's it seems um, i kind of figured out this a few years ago i like to torture myself with projects like this uh because these guys are really it's 
it's hard to get them to to say yes. Uh, it takes a lot of time and endurance to, to you know just uh, make them understand how important this is for for a few of us and why why they should be a part of this book and and you know interviews are done for c64.com. Um, so, so it's, you know, a lot of the interviews has been, you know, finding these guys on the internet and off the internet and um, trying to, uh, you know, look as I've, as I've been a part of the demo scene since 1987, I've been, you know, pulling strings to get people together. And, and in the case of Sultan, uh, it took me three years to buy phone to, um, to get him to say yes. And then. So it, the interview, like I said, took eight years to do, and that's because he's a very busy man. He's got two two beautiful daughters. So what he would do, he would uh, come over to my place. I was single at the time, so it was pretty perfect. I was, you know, I had the uh, questions written down already, and I was kind of babysitting him, giving yep. giving him him food, uh, so he could answer the questions for me. <laughs> and in the process, I found a really really good friend. So that that was a big bonus. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Andreas, I was looking at your uh, uh, Kickstarter page uh, in preparation, and it looks like there's so many great photos from the C64 scene that you've put together. Um, Thank you. I'd, I'd like to hear a bit about, um, you know, your uh, collection of these photos over time, and how hard is it to pick which photos which you'll end up having in the book? Great question, Damien. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working as a graphic designer and photographer, so doing photography for the book is very important to me, and every picture is going to be uh, of, of high quality in, in, some, in one way or another. I'm not using any pictures from the web or anything like that, because that would be sacrilegious to, to a photographer and a graphic designer. Um, so let's say that the images that I'm, I'll, I'll use of uh, Al Charpentier, for instance, me and my girlfriend, we were um, on, on holiday in, um, in New York last, uh, last year, last March, actually. And, and then um, I, I got in contact with Al Charpentier and um, ex-marketing manager at Commodore Michael Tomczyk. Um, so I, I contacted them and said, let's meet. I need to take a few photos of you guys. So we took a, a Greyhound down to Philadelphia and spent about six hours together with these guys um, on the streets of Philadelphia, taking photos, drinking coffee, laughing, and also running up the, the, the famous Rocky Steps, for which there is a video that will be uh, released sometime, I think, <laughs> next uh, next week. It's pretty funny. We're, we're it's like we're we're running in slow motion. Doing that. Oh, very good. Oh, nice. is there a, yeah. Is there the montage of be beating up the, uh, the the dead animal in the in the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, we, we we couldn't we couldn't find that place, but otherwise it would have been perfect. Uh, no, nice. but so so I've been traveling quite a bit uh, throughout the years um, to different copy parties in mainly in Europe, but like also in in the US meeting people. Uh, and the idea from the beginning was was to add them to c64.com. But uh, I've, I've had trouble finding uh, PHP programmers or programmers at all to uh, to update the site. Um, and you know, there there's a, just a limited amount of time that you can spend on a, on a non-profit site like this. So the, um, 
it, it was a kind of a for me now is a blessing in disguise because uh, if if I would have published many of these photos on c64.com I, I don't think I would have done a book but there's a lot of material I, I got a question um, from a friend who knows how much material that's that's on my hard disk and he, he asked me so uh, when is the second book coming out I was <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh. I said that I I, I don't even want to I don't want to even talk about a second book, uh, but there is definitely a book uh, in um, material like photos and, and other stuff uh, for for more than one book. But right now I'm definitely focused on on making this one a really really kick ass one. Mm, yeah, I, I must say that um, in in what I've read on your Kickstarter page plus our conversation tonight. It seems like it's going to be a really personal journey, and uh, and I think that um, while you're talking, I've actually got pictured in my head, even though I don't know what some of these people look like, I've got a picture in my head of, of, of what I think you're seeing. So I think then actually translating that to the book, this sounds like, you know, I can't wait for it to come out. Thank you so much. Uh, it was one of the nicest things I've, I've ever heard about the photos uh, because it's it's definitely a personal journey. The book is also definitely not about me, uh, mm. but it's it's my love letter to the Commodore 64 and, and everyone that inspired me that from the game makers to the demo makers and also everyone that's, that's keeping the scene alive today, making new games and demos. It's absolutely fantastic to see what people are doing these days. So yeah, that that's what I've been trying to capture, and um, I hope that's the that's the vibe everyone will get. You know, when when reading the book or or just looking it through. I mean, you can the the idea to have a book where there's going to be a lot of uh, information to read. Uh, I wanted to keep it down to and and do fewer interviews than you know smaller interviews with uh, with a lot of people to just you know get a little bit more in depth and get more information uh, from these guys. Uh, like a guy like Ben Dagley, she's been interviewed before, but I really want to try to, you know, get him on a more personal level <clears throat> as well. So I, I hope that the uh, the images uh, will give everybody the the same feeling as they have given you so far. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So I suppose you mentioned, like I said, giving, giving back to the community is... Again, for these people that have been, you know, I guess our idols for, well, since the early 80s type thing, that, you know, these people we grew up with and that, like, do you, do you see this also as much of giving back as actually a, like a preservation project of sorts, like getting the chance to capture these guys and girls while they're still, you know, they're still around and they're still, you know, can, can contribute and share their, their, their experience? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's one big, uh, a big one big neg negative with getting older and that is memories fade mm. um so when i've been doing interviews for c64.com and also for this book of course is just to try to to catch as many memories from those days as possible because like al and bob they they started at at mos technology in in the 70s so it happened a long time ago it seems though that these guys, uh, their their memory are quite intact. But you know, there's other people that that don't remember stuff. And I think it's important to uh, uh, to preserve the memories, kind of like what I've done on c64.com. I want to preserve, you know, like like games and demos, software, 
and hardware stuff if, if people want to donate that stuff but also memories very very important to me and it's, you're right look and i think it's something that, that 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 sort of verbal history of things is is important because yeah it's once it's gone that yeah that's it we never we'll never know about the development of this title or never know about what went on when the sid chip was was thought up and birthed that you know if that stuff's gone yeah, yeah. It just kind of becomes just general anecdotes or whatever so look it's it is important so it's good good to see yeah 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 i think it's i think it's very important and and some people ask me so so you know when we're dead in maybe hopefully 40 plus years or whatever <laughs> no one's gonna no no one's gonna remember the c64 and i don't even want to think about that because that that is so you know, for me, I don't know what I would have done with my life. I, obviously, I would have done something, but without the C64, I probably wouldn't have been working with what I'm working today. Even though I have the the, uh, you know, the the creativity comes from from my mother's and my grandmother's side, so it it's there. But I don't know if I would have been a photographer or been involved with digital graphics at all. So it's it's really dear to my heart. I know, look, I can, I can I can definitely relate to that. It's you know, I was handed one at five, so for me that was what started me on wow. computers. In you know, I think it was one of the first ones that you know the year they come out in Australia. So it was sort of getting in on that ground floor, and yeah, you know, ended up with me getting in a career in computers and stuff long before sort of it become the just the done thing that everyone had. So look, yeah, it's I, I definitely agree. It's you know, I owe a lot to the machine, so no, definitely all for keeping it alive and keeping it active and in front of everyone as much as possible and that's why i think your podcast is it's also very important that that you're doing this stuff and and if ever anyone complains that you're doing too much c64 stuff just uh, just ignore them we do don't worry we do <laughs> yeah we do yeah totally <laughs> good but, um, good. but look but that's it as well but getting to cover even the other obscure well less less known or less talked about stuff like it, it is still good to be able to keep you know, get people on that are passionate about it. So, but um, look, going, getting off track a little bit. So, coming back to it, uh, yeah, you mentioned obviously, yeah, you've dropped you know, like Ben Daglish's name and a few of the other guys there, and I can see like on the Kickstarter, yeah, you have got Rob Hubbard and the guys there along. Like, I guess the question is, yeah, who was your actual favourite of all those sort of superstars that you got to chat to, or what was your favourite interview? Maybe is the better way to term it. I'm I'm going to be so boring and say that I can't I can't tell, give you a favorite because the uh, the people I've chosen to be interviewed for the book they're very important to me in, in you know various ways um, but you know it's fantastic when you talk to people and and you you uh, you get to know them a little bit more and you know that you get to know that they're they're really really good people really nice people to talk to caring people and all that stuff and one person i would like to mention is donna steiner butler um she's going to be part of a of a bigger interview with the um, four ladies that they used to do graphics for games back in those days and in donna's case she's more or less unknown to the <clears throat> the whole community but she did the graphics for games like frogger 2 kung fu master yep. congo bongo karate champ and tapper and i'm sure that you guys have played at least one of those games so it's yeah. uh, for me it, it, oh, it's yeah. very important to to shine a little light on these ladies and um donna was absolutely 
fantastic to talk to. She lives in California, so we did did interview through Skype, and you know we we're we're staying in in touch through emails. And I don't know if you heard about the attack that was here in Stockholm last Friday, but you know she sent me a mail and hoped that me and my family was uh, was all safe and and all that stuff. And and some of these guys they 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 become your friends, and and that is a, a big extra bonus. So so giving you one name impossible uh i have good stories about talking to every one of them and if 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 i would mention ben daglish i've you know i um i met him i've been mailing with him since i think 96 or 97 when the internet was young and uh i've I've been fortunate enough to uh, meet him several times and also play in the same band uh, as him, so I've been performing C64 music live on stage together with him in the band. Uh-huh. So that has been absolutely fantastic. And um, I, was it last year? No, the in 2015, I was in Sheffield, mm-hmm. and he he met up with me there, and we had lunch, and he took me to see the old Gremlin Graphics offices. So we we went to Carver Street, and he showed me around and, and told me a few tales. Some of them, which I I can't say to anyone, <laughs> because uh, yeah, yeah they're, 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 shit happens, you know, <clears throat> when uh, when when younger kids um, do games and and they get money that they don't know what to do with them. But uh, it, that that was that was absolutely great. So uh, he's also one of my favorite favorites, and and you know, if if someone would tell ask me what's my what's my favorite Sid tune, that's also impossible, because I mm. you know I love Rob. Um, Martin, uh, Fred Gray, Chris Hulsbeck, everybody. But uh, there's one tune that I always, you know, put a big smile on my face when I hear it, and that's that's "Crack Out" by Ben Daglish, because I also think that the tune really sums him up really well. It's it's a jolly tune, and there's a lot of strong mel- melodies in there. And Ben Daglish is a jolly person himself. Uh, and uh, writes really, really strong melodies. So that that would be my my favorite tune. But I, I could go on for for hours and talk about the people that I've interviewed for for the book. Uh, so sorry, I can't give you one name. No, no, look, hey, and that's honestly, it's <laughs> you're probably right. It's awesome. So look, um, actually, on the topic of of uh, Rob and the music. So how did you actually talk him into letting you see all the sheet music and actually get it for the book? Well, um, I've been emailing with Rob for for a very long time as well, from the end of '96, I think, when when he worked at Electronic Arts still. And uh, during the years, uh, you know, we've we've been sharing the stage in in Brighton and other places together. So um, I one day I just asked him about them and if they were still around, and they were. Um, and I don't think a lot of people um, got to, you know, ask him about them. So that's how it came about. And I thought it would be a, a great idea to to let people get a get an insight of of how he worked back in those days. Yeah. Uh, so I want to have pictures or scans. I have. Uh, I don't know how I'm gonna arrange them in in you know do kind of a photo shoot with some of them. Or what I'm going to do, but people are going to get an insight into uh, how he worked back in those days. And some scripts are there's lots of notes, but there's 
code on there as well. I guess he, uh, you know, had to rewrite from some of his um, routines to get a tune in or get a new effect in or maybe remove remove a few routines to to save roster time and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's it's really cool to to look at those uh, scripts and you know see how this mastermind worked back in those days. And and Rob has really been generous to me throughout the years. Uh, he uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe 14, 15 years ago, something like that. He sent me the original recordings he did for um, uh, the music for Chimera and for uh, three other games. I got to remember the names uh, straight on, but uh, he sent the original recordings. So so these were songs that was um, written by him previously making them into uh, game music mm-hmm. so they they were available on c64.com uh, for for a long time but I've, I've removed them for now because i'm having a friend holger lagerfeld to to look at them and do a little bit of uh, mastering to uh, for them to sound better awesome. uh yeah so so it was just it, it's just based on basically my curiosity and you know, trying to find out as as much as possible about these guys that that made that possible. Oh, that's brilliant. So it's a, I don't suppose Monty on the Run was one of those masters. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm sh- probably, oh, probably. Yeah, that'd be fantastic because it's uh, you. You talk about sort of yeah, Camaro being one one song that gets you bouncing. You know, Mont for me, Monty was definitely one that i think every time i hear it regardless of the format it's in it just never it never fails to elicit that just big cheer and the sort of want to bounce and carry on so yeah it'd be fantastic i have a funny story about that track and i you know i have i have been playing with another retro band called 6581 which has uh, different members from uh from sid 80s with with ben daglish so we were gonna do uh, a gig in holland Mm-hmm. And uh, we we were pre- uh, preparing uh, three of the guys in the band. We we're, we're based in Stockholm, so we could rehearse the, the tunes. And then we had um, Romeo Knight, who is a famous Amiga musician. He's he's done in uh, in Germany. But we were starting to rehearse. We decided uh, that we were going to do Monty on the Ramp because that would be a, a really nice um, nice challenge. And I think that the first time we we started playing the track the the three of us we i think we just we, we could just play for maybe 45 or 50 seconds or something like that yep. because it's a fast track and i'm behind the um, i'm behind the drums sweating bullets yep. and you know my arms is about is about to fall off uh so that took a, quite a bit of practice but i think we we really put it off uh, in the end but you know it, it's fun to to play these mu- uh, these songs live you know kind of uh, transcribe them to um, so-called real instruments uh, because that gives you a completely un- uh, new understanding how how cool and advanced and you know fantastic these these tunes are well, they were. But, uh, actually I saw your um, your last ninja 2 clip that you've got up on your YouTube channel um, yeah you from yeah, yeah, yeah. about Seven eight years ago now, I think it, you record it was recorded. Um, that it yeah. Uh, that was yeah that was in two thousand and eight. Yeah, like that was oh, it was brilliant. That's uh, you're you're to say you're a bit of a gun on the drums. Yes. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> I, must, I must say, um, when I saw that uh, Last Ninja 2 film clip, it was actually sent to me some time ago by my brother. Uh, we used to play okay. Last Ninja 2 together a lot. And honestly, I get I got like chills up my spine when I saw it because it just took that fantastic music and then just put another layer of like rawness and it's just brilliant. I could listen to it all day. Thank you. Thanks. Um, 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 I can never. I, I never get tired of hearing that. It's it's always nice to get feedback, uh, and it's really nice because um, Matt Gray, who composed the original t- tune, that that's uh, apparently his uh, his favorite uh, rendition of or uh, remake or remix, whatever word you want to use, of that tune. So that was also really great to hear. That is fantastic. Yeah. All right, um, I've got another question. I might just change the, the, the topic a little bit here. Um, back to the book, the, uh, it looks like the Game Talk section uh, will be uh, an awesome list uh, of great games and their creators um, mm. and some stories there. Do some of these games represent your favourites on the C64? Uh, they certainly do. Um, let, let's take uh, Slicks, for, for instance. That was a game released by Codemasters in 92, and it was done by Ash and Dave. Uh, they used to do uh, demos and upload them to CompuNet. That was popular in, in the UK back in those days. So that's that's a huge favorite of mine. And also The Way of the Exploding Fist. Uh, I got a, um, Greg Barnett, the, the game's programmer, to, to talk about the game, which uh, I was really excited about because it was the... Uh, the uh, the first really of course there were there was karate champ before but uh, that yeah. that's the most uh, the, the first really big uh, beat em up game on the C64 and I played that a lot and it's from Australia which makes it even better oh yes oh yes <laughs> <laughs> and also there's uh, let's see California games of course Spy vs Spy there's loads mm. of them Boulder Dash I love that game. Kickstarter mm. 2, that's that's also one one yep. of the games I remember from playing a lot when uh, when I grew up because it, it's got a, a course editor in that one and I used to do my own tracks and, and play that quite a bit. And uh, there's uh, there's an interview with Al Lowe as well who programmed the uh, Donald Duck's Playground. <clears throat> and the my personal story about that game is that when I got it, uh, I didn't understand it because all you do is to, you know, you work, so you can buy stuff for, for, your, for your nephews. And that's it. I was used by that time, already back in those days, that, you know, the, the, the how common games are built. Like you, you, you meet a boss or you, you win something or you, you challenge, you, you come over a hurdle or, you know. So that game uh, was, uh, you know, it was a, strange game but it was nice to talk uh, strange for me because it didn't have the the same kind of a build up like like other games that i was used to but i had a, ch- a long chat chat with al and um a part of that chat was about the game and he explained uh, how that came together and uh you know it was aimed to younger kids so it's quite understandable why why the game looks like it does yep. and hey, also my hey, oh, sorry before we go i was gonna say so hang on and if I'm not mistaken, that is the Allo as well, isn't it? Of Legend Suit Larry fame. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh dear. Oh. That's yeah. Uh... And I, I don't know if 
Yeah, a small sidetrack because you seem to be our low fans. I uh, I did a remix to, together with a friend of mine, Necropolo, of uh, the the Let's Shoot Larry track, and Alice playing sax on on that track. So that was also one of uh, one of my you know a great milestone in in my life. Oh wow, so that was cool. Wow. That would be amazing. But it's um, unbelievable. I was just playing sax with our low. <laughs> yeah, 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 but. Oh, of course, it was he's, he sent a file through the internet, but you know that works works well for me. <laughs> but uh, I must also mention one game that that will be in the in the game talk uh, area, uh, and that is Leaderboard, uh, mm. because it, it's a game that was released by Access Software, uh, a company owned by the Carver Brothers. And I don't know if you remember, but more or less all those games, you know, like Beachhead. Beachhead 2, etc., etc., in, including um, Leaderboard. I always thought that it was only the Carver Brothers that did those games. But I got, got in touch with Brent Erickson, and he told me that he also worked on Leaderboard and like on, on Beachhead 2, but it was, never, um, it was never known to the public that other people were involved because they had this idea that they were doing like this, uh, you know, like a team thing, like yep. like the Carver Brothers would be. Um, yeah, the, it was used for marketing, basically. Okay. So that is also very important to me to shine a little light here uh, on Brent Erickson because he, uh, he contributed to uh, a really, really well done game. And it really was the I don't remember the leaderboard was actually one of the earlier disc games that we got sort of around when it came out as well. So it was a yeah, it probably was where my love of golf games started from. Although it never translated to real golf because you can just keep that. Ugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm I'm not so much into, I'm not into sports at all these days. But back in those days, I was more of a ice hockey guy. But um, you know, I, I played leaderboard because it was, you know, the, the game controls were really, really, the game mechanics were really, really, really good. Mm. No, they definitely were. So, uh, oh, so look, I suppose the, the big question here is, you know, with with the book, so you know, how, how do people get on board? So if they want to back back the book or you know, they want to get involved or help you know, contribute and support you, what's, what's the best way to yeah. go about it? Well, the best way is to go to kickstarter.com and search for either just C64, it's going to come up in the search result, or you can search for Commodore 64 for the love of a machine. You can also go another easy route and go to c64.com because on the front page there's, there's the, uh, the uh, Kickstarter video. So you can just click on that and uh, take you right to the campaign. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure I'll pop a link into the show notes, and obviously when, when the show goes live, I'll make sure I um, definitely get that published up. Excellent. Yeah, so how, how much longer do uh, people have to um, uh, contribute or pledge to your book? Well, they, they have 18 days, so there's pl plenty of time still, but uh, why not do it today? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but I mean, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have 18 days, but uh, if if they're thinking about pledging or, or if they're gonna gonna pledge if they have decided already, uh, they can please do it now, and, and that'll call my nerves a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's it's an emotional roller coaster ride doing the Kickstarter. I tell you that you gotta you gotta come prepared with with a really good campaign, and then uh, it's you know it goes up and down. 
you see uh you know people writing about it going thumbs up and blah 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 and, and you know you guys know from australia that the postage can can be a real bitch and it's the same thing mm -hmm. from from sweden uh, and what people don't realize when it comes to post uh, postage or or shipping is that I, you know, I had to use a courier to to send the book to, you know, have it tracked and make sure that it reaches in destination in in one piece. So that that's really important to understand. But um, yeah, go to go to the Kickstarter uh, and you know browse the text and check out the pictures. And if you like it, spread the word and please make a pledge, because without your pledge, there there's not going to be a book. Very good. Um, and I've noticed that there's a lot of rewards and stretch goals uh, with your book. Uh, are there any that you would like to point out in particular? Yeah, sure. Um, um, I really would like to uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, tell people about the uh, you know there there's two offers or maybe like three rewards now, like a different combos. But uh, you can get the book together with a poster by. Uh, by Dave Rowe, who uh, made, for instance, the uh, the cover for The Way of the Exploding Fist and uh, what else, oh, Chubby Gristle, um, mm. uh, uh, Spin Dizzy and other games. So he, he is also interviewed in the book and he's also a really, really nice fella. And um, there's also, uh, you can also get a poster from Steinar Lund, who, um, for instance, did the, uh, the cover art for The Lost Ninja. That one is not uh, not in the rewards though because uh, he's doing his own prints for that one, but he he made made the covers for Mega Apocalypse, um, Armageddon Man, and uh, you know a lot of uh, Jeff Minter's titles. So I would definitely recommend people to to go get one of those posters. Um, and uh, coming up as um, as soon as um, I get confirmation, there's going to be um, uh, prints available. Signed prints, hopefully, uh, of Rob Hubbard's uh, uh, music notes, oh, wow. and that's going to be a, a very limited and a little bit more expensive uh, than than other awards. But uh, if you're true Rob Hubbard fans, you you should want to. You know, I, I mean, I, I think people's going to be interested in, in that stuff as well. So that that's that's something to look forward to. I definitely feel the uh, the guy the guys in the community over here would be very very interested, especially based on some of the stuff there. Some of the guys took to the Penny Arcade Expo down here in Melbourne last year, where we had a big sort of display area of a lot of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, no, that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I just uh, when I was I was preparing, I, I put up a few re new rewards. Uh, last week and and one of those uh, rewards was the Republic scripts but when I started to, to writing the description text I I reminded myself that I didn't ask uh, Rob uh, if he if he wanted to sign them or not because of course I, I can't take that for granted even though he's gonna be be doing commentary to the scripts that's gonna be in the book so um, I'm, I'm making sure that uh, um, I, I get a confirmation from him, or yes, uh, let's say this: the, the script is going to be—they're going to be available with or or without his his signature. But of course, it's going to be cooler if he wants to uh, write his name on there. Oh, that would be oh, it's attempting all the all these things to spend money on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, 
And and like like someone else mentioned, there's a there's a lot of books and films about the Commodore 64 now. So you you can't you can't poss possibly buy everything. You can't can't get everything. But that's I I knew that would be the case. Uh, and I hope that people will, you know, still think that my material differs quite a bit from the other books that's that's been released so far and and i mean the the photos is one big selling point uh for this book because uh because i, I you know i want i want to keep it looking professional from from page one till you know to the last one no, definitely. I think so hopefully people's gonna gonna see that uh the the amount of work that i that i'll be putting down on this book and that it's gonna be worth pledging on it yeah i must say that um you know there are as, as we know there's other uh, C64 books and publications and documentaries that have come out and uh, I think that the, what makes a difference is is just you know the, the personality that, that's put into each one of these um, you know I've just got the Commodore 64 visual compendium in front of me and I love nothing more than just leafing through all the um, you know pixelated screenshots and the bit of text on those but you know to to get the other book with all you know the, the personal side and the pictures of the people and their individual stories um yeah you know, it just doesn't get any better than this thank you so much <laughs> i really appreciate it um that that's what i want to hear i mean uh I've, I've been trying my best to to get as cool as you know the, the coolest stuff i can think of to, to put in this book uh so i it's always nice to hear those 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 comments and um yeah thank you you're welcome yeah i just uh you know a, a little bit about uh, the abridged history of the site how it came to be okay so so c64.com was started by two friends of mine uh, uh kim and um <laughs> and mickey sorry kim and mickey uh these guys, uh, Kim, we were in the same demo group together, and Mikke, he's he's been a friend for a very long time as well. Uh, so they started C64.com. Mikke actually uh, uh, registered C64.com 20 minutes before uh, Bill Hurd, and Bill Hurd was the man behind the um, Commodore 128 and the Plus Four and all that stuff. So. Uh, it, it was funny. So when I got in, co in contact with Bill, he saw that. Oh, so you were the guy that that took uh, C64.com 20, 20 minutes before me, and I was like, well, yeah, my friend was. But uh, no, so so the the site started I think in '98, and uh, it's we did it because of course because our undying love for the Commodore 64. But um, I wanted to do a different kind of, of site. So I, I um, jumped ship and started C64HQ and ran that for a bunch of years. But then I realized that it's better if we uh, join forces. Mm -hmm. And we did that in 2005 or six, I can't remember. So it's it's been around for quite some time, and these days, you know, I'm I got a family, so I don't I don't really get to spend the, the uh, amount of time I've, I've put in on the site like before. But uh, the site lives on, and there's a lot of information uh, for people that haven't been on the site um, as much as as maybe you or me have. Uh, of course, I've I've read everything, but you know, there's uh, lots of interviews with people from from the demo scene, and also all our gaming heroes are, are many of them at least are are there as well. Uh, well it's, it comes back to that preservation piece as well. That you know, 
you start it was started when that wasn't really much of anything and it was probably more of a fan fan thing it's fair to say uh, well it still is I mean we're, we're not making any money do doing the site um, I mean I mean I, I think you guys can agree if if you if you want to get rich you shouldn't be doing anything that's connected to the C64 I mean like podcast cost or or a book or whatever it's, it's not money driven at all it's it's just a big passion for for the C64 and I also think it's very important to mention that on C64, c64.com we just want to put out games that we've been playing from start to finish to make sure that they actually exist um, so I get email from from people from time to time asking me why don't you have more games on the site and it's because we played them from start to finish to make sure that I mean if, if you want to play a game like uh, Guild of Thieves or, or I don't know um, a test drive or whatever a game that you spend a lot of time with you don't want to uh, get to disc two or four and then the game crashes so that's that's very important for us to to make sure that the game work so people can download and and, and enjoy the games from from start to finish uh, I'm, I'm a part of a, of a team called the transfer team and, and we're transferring discs for people all over the world so we we have tons of material that's that's not put on c64.com or other sites but uh, you know for me it's it's more important with with quality than than quantity so that's why we do it absolutely that's 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 great um what can people do to help or contribute to c64.com well, what they could, um, I mean, if, if you ever did a game back in those days, or if you were into the demo scene, I'd like to really like to talk to you or do, do uh, the 20 questions I do with everyone that, that I get in touch with. For me, you know, you do the interviews with, with the Rob Hubbards, the Martin Galways, the Jeff Minters, and, you know, everyone. Uh, but for me, it's always interesting and important to hear from the other people that, that you know, that had, don't have a big name as these guys. So every story is important to me. So if you were a part of the demo scene, for instance, get in touch and, and I'll send you the, the 20 questions and, and we'll get it out there as soon as possible. And of course, people can, can get in touch if you, uh, you want to contribute by screen shooting games or playing them from start to finish. Uh, but people got to realize that it's quite time consuming to do that. So you got to have a little bit of time on your hands there's of course no deadlines people uh like we we have a, a guy in australia uh sean strobel he's um he's helping doing retouches of of game inlays that me and other people are, are scanning and he does that when when he's got the time and and you know that that's how it works it's a fan site and, and we do stuff when we have time and we have inspiration to do it so, but you know, go to the site, or you can you know can contact me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and and just talk about it. All right. So, so where, whereabouts can people get in touch if they want to sort of you know hit you up on Twitter or to send stuff through? Okay, they they can contact me on Facebook um, and just search for, for my name, and on Twitter I'm c64 underscore com, and you can also send me an email. Uh, uh, my address is andreas.wallstrom at gmail.com 
and I guess everyone's scratching their head right now. Uh, but I guess you're going to put that in the descriptions and also the yeah 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 cool, and the email is also reachable through c64.com. That's that's the uh, that's the way most people get in touch uh, when it comes to talking about games and demos. Awesome! Oh, fantastic! So. Oh, well, thank you for giving up some of your time to come and have a chat about your book, Andreas. Look, it definitely is very exciting, and we certainly look forward to to seeing it come to fruition. And, yeah, I can see you're a bit over halfway there, so, you know, all the, all the best with it. Thank you so much, guys. It, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, it's always always great to talk to like-minded people. I mean, if, if, the, if, they, if I had the time, I, I could talk to you about this... Uh, for, forever you know i i have this memory where where I, I i don't remember stuff that my girlfriend told me yesterday but i can i can mention like if you not every game but many of them uh if you, if you would drop a title and please don't test me now i'll screw up i know it but if, if you would go uh <laughs> if you would give me uh, a game title I, I i know i can give you the information of who released it what year who did the programming graphics art and even in some cases who was the uh, project manager and who did the packaging and stuff like that so wow. it's 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 insane yeah. but it's so much fun and it all come comes down to the love for this amazing machine called the commodore 64. yeah well you can tell that you can tell and hear your passion in how you're talking about it and it's going to be uh, fantastic reading that in the book thank you so much guys i, I really appreciate the the support from uh, from all the way from australia right oh yep no, definitely represent Absolutely, yeah. but uh, oh, look, yeah. okay. no. definitely, definitely welcome back. And yeah, certainly, in time we might have to next time we have a, um, a C64 show, which who knows won't be probably too far in the future. Might have to uh, to hit you up and see if you're around. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm sure um, if you guys need help with getting any of the the uh, the stars available, if they're not answering you, you can always uh, get in touch with me, and I'll I'll poke them and see if I can help you out. I, I like this. I like this. This works. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, this is this is great. <laughs> well, excellent. Oh, Andreas, well, again, thank you so much for your time, and um, yeah, I'll wish you all the best. Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay, cheers. Nice talking to you. Thank you very you. much. I hope everyone enjoyed that that chat with Andreas. Uh, it was you know, definitely someone who's very, very keen to, to be put back into the community. But what did you guys reckon? Wow, what what a fantastic uh, chat that was. Um, so much passion, so much passion for the Commodore 64. Um, so much knowledge of the 64. Someone who's been in the scene um, for so long. That was just, it was just magic. It was I, I, look, I think I could call him Mr. C64. Oh, big call. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. And uh, yeah, seriously, you could just um, you know hear his passion coming through the whole time. And um, as he said himself, you know we could continue to talk for uh, almost unlimited time on the subject. He just um, and I just can't wait to see how the um, you know how his words come out in the book of uh, his you know his interviews with some of the the greats. Yep, no, definitely. It's uh, I look as he mentioned. While the postage is a little bit interesting, I must say the. Uh, the two there is an op option to get two copies for the with uh, single price of postage. So I might have to have a chat with you gentlemen about how we work something out because I'm I'm definitely keen to get my hands on a you know those sort of books. I, I do love. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe we should all, all go in all together. So yeah, see all in. 
See if I'm all in. Do a do a do a three a three copy pack. But um, awesome guys. So look um, oh we might as well we'll wrap it up there. So um, any shout outs? Damien, did you have anyone you wanted to? Uh yes. Um, so first lot of shout outs. Uh, because I've been listening to the old episodes um, with Alex and Daz, shout out to you guys, brothers from another's mothers together. Uh, it, it's been great, um, a good inspiration for um, you know um, putting a similar amount of passion and effort into the into the podcast. Uh, also, shout out to um, Aaron White. Mr. Mod, Amiga Mod that we interviewed last episode. Great guy. Love seeing all of your recent Saturn acquisitions on Facebook. Keep it up, mate. Uh, look, shout out to you guys, uh, Aaron and Tony. It's great fun doing this. Uh, and lastly, just another shout out to um, Andreas Volstrom uh, for the for the chat tonight. Magic, loved it. Oh, you here on that one most most especially um i i have a couple here i'd like to um point out um quite there's been quite a lot of uh coleco homebrew released uh, lately but not a lot for the msx but there's been a couple that have come out just in the last uh couple of weeks and interestingly enough they're using a cartridge which actually has the sound chip from the coleco in the cartridge to add the sound chip in the msx to allow um, games to come over uh, from the Coleco, because uh, quite often the other way around, there were a lot more games for the MSX than there was for the Coleco, but one of them that the MSX missed out on was Gyrus. So somebody has reverse, well, ported Gyrus back over to the MSX and added additional sound to it on one of these special cartridges. Um, I'm not sure whether the um, limited edition versions are still available, but you can even get a little miniature um, you know, papercraft arcade machine. Huh. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> as well. And they're coming from the Repro factory um, over in Europe. Uh, well, I'll, I'll send, make sure that Aaron puts the links down there. Yep, um, and also there is a demo going around of a smooth scrolling version of Gradius for MSX. So somebody's written an enhanced version because obviously one of the one things people complain about MSX1 games is the choppy scrolling. Oh, yeah. Because it's all tile-based. So somebody's actually uh, writing a smooth scrolling version of uh, Gradius. Yeah, which I think is the MSX2, because... Uh, it is an MSX2. Obviously, the, the MSX2 does have hardware vertical scrolling, but it doesn't have hardware horizontal scrolling. It just has lots more video RAM. So um, uh. I, I think this is sprung on from the um, the smooth scrolling uh, version of Iridium that came uh, that came out last year. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, I think I actually saw um, Rob Hellfire64 link the MSX2 version, the video of it, the preview earlier on, which looked fantastic. So Yeah, oh, and, uh, it was running on a fairly fast MSX, I'd like to point out too. So. <laughs> uh, uh, that'll do it, but hey. Um, awesome. All right, look, for myself, um, look, I think I'll just echo Damien's shout out there to Andreas for coming on and having a chat with us. It's, uh, you know, we do wish him well with the book, and it's, uh, but it's still always good to have a chat with someone that's passionate and loves loves the 64, like, well, 
we all do. So, um, Daz, mate, I just want to say thank you for covering my uh, my sick and sorry butt last month. It was not planning on being horrifically crook, but mate, it's glad glad you were there to help out. Um, and did he do a good job? Oh, it's like he's done it before. <laughs> he seemed well practiced. Yeah. Um, and last, last but not least, I just want a quick, quick shout out to uh, Mr. Freaking Frankie, who's uh, been helping me out with a, a bunch of Amiga stuff ahead of my WHD load shenanigans on my 600. So, uh, excellent. All gentlemen, that, that's us. That's us for another episode. But, uh, Michelle, thank you. It's been, been great and fun as always. Indeed. Uh, been very good episode, so. Uh, awesome. Oh, well, well, thanks again, guys, everyone. Make sure you enter the competition. Don't don't let this one miss out, because it is a fantastic game, and it's a good good chance to show a bit of support for you guys. Uh, but otherwise, all the best. Have a good one. All right, catch you next time. See ya.
Come a bit closer, you know, and jump, let's just like the people in the middle here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 